Hey everybody, welcome to the Bag Broadcast, episode number 294. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek story of the past week. Next is The List, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out March 2nd, 2016. Then we have our weekly rotating main topic, and this week it's our trade and policy with Paul's pick for the month, and this is X-Men The Dark Phoenix Saga, written by Chris Claremont, with art by John Byrne. Yeah, the the much heralded, much accolated. Oh, it's got accolations. <laughs> it's all got over accolations it. all over it. This this book, uh, much like the beer that we're drinking, John. Right? This this has received plenty of accolations. Uh, it has. It has <laughs> driving that home, aren't you? Yep. Uh, <laughs> I think it's funny. This is something that we talked about doing on a couple episodes ago, mm-hmm. and this is from Fifty Fifty Brewing Company. This is their Eclipse series. Um, it's a stout aged in oak barrels, and they do all different kinds of um, barrel aging with these. There's mm-hmm. coffee, there's vanilla, um, vanilla, there's um, scotch, cognac, mm-hmm. and Paul picked up... The cognac is sold out in our area. Oh, is it really? Yep. Um, and Paul brought two bourbon-aged ones. Because uh, we started talking about this, and then I saw the price point of twenty nine ninety nine, and decided I better start saving some pennies. Uh, so we're, we started with the orange wax-covered uh, cap, mm-hmm. which is the High West Not bourbon. orange, I'm sorry, tangerine. Tangerine. Uh, but it is the High West bourbon okay. that this is aged in. Um yeah, this one starts off like we. Uh, the first thing I noticed was the nose, and it had a sour, almost acrid kind of sm- uh, nose to it, which was a little off, which made me a little worrisome because normally you're hit with, you know, when you get a bourbon barrel aged beer, you hit with that vanilla, that bourbonness on the nose, and uh, it's a very nice, smooth drinking beer. Stout, it's it's twelve percent, almost twelve percent, if not twelve yeah. percent. I mean, it goes down smooth, but. For the price point, there's absolutely zero wowing factor. If we had sat out for almost 12 hours in freezing Mm -hmm. March temperatures and got this instead of the Mm -hmm. Voodoo Brewery beers, I'd be pissed. Mm -hmm. Those Voodoo Brewery beers delivered, and they made that 12-hour wait in, you know, 19-degree weather worth it. Well, we... We were originally planning on just selling those off, yeah, uh, or at least most of them off, and us, you know, the two of us keeping, you know, some for the show. Uh, so if it was really bad, we would have just cut our losses and just traded them all away. Um, and this one, yeah, it's a wide, it's a much wider release than that Voodoo original. Yeah. But man, we're still chasing that Voodoo, that big black Voodoo Daddy, uh, aged in bourbon barrels. I think it's. I mean, think. I think out of every almost everything we've had, mm-hmm. it's one of the best because it was drinkable right away. Yeah. And that beer company, they sat Voodoo, on it for a year. They continued to wait mm-hmm. on that beer before they bottled it and released it until mm-hmm. it was perfect. And that's one of the things I love about mm-hmm. like a, a company like that that has that standard that they aren't going to put it out mm-hmm. unless it's ready. This is. A fine bourbon aged beer, but there's nothing that is outstanding about it, especially for that thirty dollar price point. Mm-hmm. This is yeah, this is no KBS, <clears throat> and this is no uh, 
Anderson Valley, Wild Turkey. Yeah, I would put it with it, but the price point makes it drops it so far down on the list. It's if you want to spend, if you want this Eclipse beer, buy an Anderson Valley, and then uh, buy another Anderson Valley. Yeah. Buy four more Anderson Valleys, and then uh, you know you're good. Because if if you really want to, just (laughs) buy buy some wax, melt it down, and dip the caps in it. Or just, you know, put the extra money that you saved in your pocket. And, uh, you know, this is is a fine drinking bourbon aced out. You get a little bit of that bourbon. It's nothing – there's nothing big and bold. And I think that's what is the problem with paying this price, that it's not big and bold. Because if you're just looking for a smooth drinking bourbon aged beer – there's Anderson Valley. There's any of those beers that are just as good yeah. for a cheaper price point. I don't. I don't get it. Even <laughs> yeah, I'd much rather drink a non-bourbon barrel aged beer at this point than this one here. You know, for for this kind of price, because we've had the we've Russian had... Imperial from Otter Creek. That's an expensive beer. That's a sixteen, seventeen dollar for a four pack. My bet, my money is better served with getting two of those four packs than buying there one of these bottles. Are better drinking Russian Imperial stouts uh-huh. or double stouts or whatever. Mm-hmm. There are better drinking ones of those that have more depth and character yeah. than this bottle. And, and if this bottle, if they are expecting you to cellar it, then you should put it on the bottle. Mm-hmm. To sell it, because one of the things is they are just a generic bottle. It they is don't the even same bottle for everyone. The only way you can tell what different bottle they are is the wax wax top, mm-hmm. which is colored. And even then, you have to either go on to their website to see what the colored top means, or if the company where you're buying it from yeah. that that store labels has a little it. printout. Yeah, that's terrible planning. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they did. The store that I purchased from had a little printout. They crossed out the gold because, you know, and then you had a person like me. I had to wave down at a tenant and say, hey, I'm having a hard time here. There's a tangerine, a gold, and an orange. Which one of these are which? And then he's like, yeah, I get this question a lot. Just turn all the bottles around and read the UPC code because that's where, on the UPC code, that's where they matched up like, you got three colors that are the same damn color. I'm sorry, tangerine and burnt orange, burnt orange <laughs> and, and gold and are the same color. Especially for someone who has color difficulty. So yeah, it, it, you know, so they you know, had to. They actually went through and reprinted a barcode for their own store with the name of Blue Pearl or Tangerine on the barcode because they were having such a hard time, and they had the little printout because there was no way to know. Yeah. Um, having in our initial talks, mm-hmm. Paul was going to grab two. I was going to grab two, and Paul bought these and said, "Wait before mm-hmm. you buy them." Having had this one, unless the blue one blows my gasket, and I'm and, like, "Holy cow!" And you're ready to uh, accusation all over it. Yes, <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't pick up another one. You know what I would do is go to the our beer store mm-hmm. that we go to and pick up another barrel aged. Uh, Great Divide that they yeah. have, you know, yeah, like the old Ruffian or one of those. Mm-hmm. I'd pick up one of those at for a smaller, little bit of a smaller price point mm-hmm. um, than getting this. And this is all 
that they carry of this 50-50 brand. This is the only thing that mm-hmm. really makes it out of wherever they brew from. Which, California. Yeah. And uh, Truckee, California. Yeah, it's just kind of disappointing. Chris. Yes, I'm Chris. If this was a cheaper bottle, we'd probably be happier with it. But are you drinking a cheaper beer? Or, I actually or, am. Uh, oh, my good. beer is was pretty cheap for a six-pack. Oh, I want to say I paid like $8.99 or $9.99. Hey. Uh, and this is New Belgium Citradelic. It's a tangerine IPA. Ooh, that so, sounds good. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's actually really good. Um, quite drinkable. It's not overly, like, citrusy. Um, I feel like when a lot of breweries try to make some sort of, like, like citrus-tinged beer, they go a little bit over on it. Um, I would say if you take something like Ithaca's Flower Power, mm-hmm. And then you just kind of like dial it down a little bit, and you replace that nice kind of like floral, like grapefruity hops with like a little bit sweeter orange. Like that's what you get here. Um, it, I think it's still a far cry from that. But when I took my first sip of this, I was like, "Oh, this this kind of hits those same notes that I like from something like a Flower Power. It's really light, really refreshing, not overpowering on the back end with like." Like a bitter hops, it's more of like the nice citrus florally hop. Um, I like it. Something that I would probably drink more of. Um, I think this would be a great summertime, like hanging out porch beer. Hmm. That's like, how I felt. Oh, go ahead, Chris. I was gonna say, like, since I think this just came out because I had never seen it before, it's something I'd probably grab just to keep in the refrigerator for when I go to sit down on my porch and like read my books for the week or something. This sounds good because yeah, like last summer the was the summer of like tangerine and yeah, yeah tangerine orange and blood orange and everything and, super fuzz and, and, and oh, I like the super fuzz. We're going to be getting a lot more of that because there's a lot more companies putting that out mm-hmm. right now. You have uh, Victory who has the a grapefruit agave one. Um, you have like two other companies who have put mm-hmm. out grapefruit um, flavored beers. Um, Dogfish Head is going to have a blood orange grapefruit one. Last year, Tangier from yeah. um, Southern Tier was one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And uh, I th- we're going to have a couple more. It's that citrus yeah. is the big new thing. Everybody's I, doing it. I'm surprised that I loves don't, it. I don't. I'm surprised I haven't seen more citruses, doubles and triples. You know, the Belgian Belgian with that citrus, I think, would pair really well. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm surprised we I, we've seen it with the pails and IPAs. I'm, I'm kind of looking. to... I'm looking at you, Belgians. Where's my citrus Belgians? I think I think it has a little bit to do with like people going crazy, like for the grapefruit mm-hmm. sculpin, and then the other craze is that shandy craze. People are going mm-hmm. nuts for that, yes. so that's yeah. why we're getting all this citrus to our IPAs because it's already IPAs are already a big winner for most mm-hmm. people. Yeah, you had that citrus. It's even a broader spectrum for people. I'm going to put out that I think a lot of companies are going to dial back their pumpkins this year. Because I don't, looking at the store shelves, I still see some pumpkin ales. I see a I, lot of pumpkins still out. Yeah, I still am seeing pumpkin beers down here in Florida too. And like I, I bought bottles of pumpkin and warlock because they were like five ninety nine each. So I was like, yeah, like that's a great buying price just to sit on them and age them. Like mm-hmm. if I wanted to drink those just because, which hey, I might because I love those beers. Like I could still go to the store and get bottles to replace them. Yeah, yeah. And like when I, I mentioned to you guys uh, last week or the week before or something, John, you said they already started pre-aging it for me because they've been on the shelf for so long. And <laughs> I laughed because you're not wrong. Like 
they're still out there. And I think it's just an oversaturation at this point. Yeah. Like every brewery is putting out at least one or two pumpkin beers and they're all just trying to like vie for that market space. And there's way too many options out there now. And the people that were jumping on the craft ones, you know, because it was the only pumpkins you can find those, uh, like, Magic or not Magic Hat, but uh, what's its name? Uh, Belgium Blue Moon put out pumpkin. So the brands that they were already comfortable with buying, you know, yeah, they they came out with the pumpkins as well. And I think those people that were jumping on the craft bandwagon just for the pumpkin beers and just for Oktoberfest and stuff like that, they found the brands that they're more you know willing to buy at that price point, and they just cheaper too. Yep, that price point, and they just jumped there and stayed there. And uh, it's the same point with some of those breweries where they do pumpkins or they do Christmas. It's hard to find one that's just an even keel. Usually Mm -hmm. it's like, you want this beer because of all the ginger, Mm -hmm. or this one because of all the cinnamon, or all the nutmeg. And I think that deters a lot of people because it's too flavorful. It's too much spice. Mm -hmm. And I like that one because it's... You know, almost not enough spice, but mm-hmm. it's an even yeah. drinking kind of beer. Um, so it, it, I think it's very tough. And like right now we have at my store, we have four or five rows of uh, m- m- uh, Magic Mischief or what? Uh, mischief. Mary Mischief. Mary Mis- Mischief. Uh, mischief Maker. Oh, if, Which it's like, come if on. If only they hadn't switched it. Right? Yeah. From a stout to a... It was originally a, a it was a, it was so, it was like an imperial stout to like a milk stout or something like yeah, that. It yeah, was yeah. A, a very small change that lost that gingerbread mm-hmm. characteristic that really popped. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at it and I'm just like, these are from October. Like, mm-hmm. who's gonna buy this right now? Pull them. You gotta pull them now. Yeah. I'm sorry. These pumpkins say sitting on the shelf. So. You know, I hate I hate the cyclical nat- nature of the craft beer, where you know one of these you know flavors really take off, and then they just oversaturate, and then it's gone, and then it won't and it won't be good because the the, the margin on these specialty beers is so small, and then when you don't sell them, the only but you still want to provide that variety. The only way to make a profit is to cut back on the quality. And then, I, then you know, it's a detriment to everybody. I think. I think half of it is they need to not jump the mm-hmm. season. Yeah, those beers are coming out. You know, too early. They're coming out in late July, August. Yeah. Who's going to want to drink a pumpkin? And then people have already had their pumpkin mm-hmm. already. Well, I, I don't know. Like, I think that might just be something that is all because of the distributors, like. The breweries are like brewing those beers. They're getting them out there, and the distributors are like just rushing them out to the shelves because they want to like, capitalize on the people like starting to get into that mind frame. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's become a joke now, but it's true. Like as soon as the pumpkin spice latte is out at Starbucks, everyone like loses their shit about it. Hey, you know, it's, like people complain about um, like Christmas stuff appearing in stores like in October, but it's one of those things. Like as soon as it's available, people start buying it. Mm-hmm. So now everyone's just trying to rush it out. Starbucks and, is pretty good with holding back that pumpkin spice latte. They're one of the last ones to actually go. Because <laughs> Dunkin's and Tim Hortons are already pumpkin spicing it up, and then Starbucks comes out a little well, bit. Dog? I'm just hoping, like, Paul, what you were talking about with the cyclical nature of the uh-huh. brewing culture, uh, I just hope we get back to black IPAs at some point. Oh, yeah. Man, I'm ready for that tide to turn back. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Dogfish Head was the only person, like one of the only beer companies that I saw that specifically like was like, it's the last week of September. You know what that means? Our pumpkin beer is coming <laughs> out. You know, so I was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that's smart. Pretty great. Mm-hmm. You know, so well, also I, I feel like Dogfish Head, they they're definitely a brewer that kind of marches to their own beat a little bit more, like. For them, it's not about capitalizing and trying to like rush out the most beer. They're going to try to put out the beer that they like, and mm-hmm. they're going to do their best at it. I mean, if you go back and watch that show, Beer Masters or Brewmasters, whatever it was called, that they had like the one season of, yeah, like four episodes because they, they uh... yeah they love everything that they did, and mm-hmm. if it didn't live up to their standards, they they drain poured it. Like entire batches of beer, like they they poured out one twenty. They poured out a yeah. whole thing of one twenty the one year. Oh, it's my deathbed <laughs> beer. It just wasn't right. And uh, you know what? Any other brewery probably just would have taken that beer and been like, oh, well, let's just call it like the one hundred nineteen minute IPA. Like mm-hmm. they still would have put it out with the label on it. Dogfish Head doesn't do that though, and I might not like all of their beers, but I definitely appreciate what they do. Um, and like, if you look at their Ancient Ale series, like half of those, I I do not like at all. But it, it's it's true to what Dogfish Head is at mm-hmm. its core. Yeah, I was speaking to one of the distributors um, in our area for different beer, and we got talking about local beer, and he had mentioned that Flying Bison, um, the owner's son, the guy with the big mustache, his son is kind of given some free range to brew kind of the crazy stuff and that's why we had like that mango double ipa down by the river which was really good because he's been given that free range but if you go to the you go to the the brewery and you go to the bar and you ask them for like the like secret special or Mm -hmm. collins beer or whatever it is they'll if it's on tap if they have it they'll pour it for you they won't charge you now all oh. they ask is like you just to give your feedback about it. Nice. Um, which is kind of the opposite of like what, in my opinion, Resurgence does. They try something, <clears throat> even if it doesn't work, they still sell it to you. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I think that's kind of good on Flying Bison's part, and one that that yeah. son is the one who's coming up with these crazy flavors and yeah, saying the private like, stash. Yeah, he's the one going like, hey, let's try this and this. It's the only it Flying will. Bison beer I buy now. Is Private stash is when I say. Have you tried the spot coffee? The no, not yet. I haven't either. Oh, spot, yeah, there's I, a spot I, coffee I stout. Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of go back to resurgence quick though, when I come back to Buffalo like next month, I I would like to go there just to check it out to see what they have different mm-hmm. and how stuff has changed a little bit because every time I've been in there before, like they seem very experimental and like they're not completely married to what they've done, which could be a detriment but at the same time i feel like they're ready to learn and grow from what they've done before that they can easily like revamp a little bit because they're not that big like they have that like local following because people want to support it because it's that local brewery that you know opened up just a couple years ago um but i i think they're they're ready to learn from their mistakes or like mix things up a little bit if they if they're onto something good uh, my plan for the day we're going to do that brewery tour, uh, we meet for uh, breakfast at Savory's. Okay, okay. Uh, you got me. Sign, uh, signed up uh, already. Hold on, let me uh, open up a Google Doc here <laughs> and start up a uh, 
itinerary. Are well, we doing this really on the show? Are we we're really going to plan this on the show? Okay. Uh, I have nothing to say about our main topic, really, besides yeah, uh, it's garbage. Be pretty light. Uh, so, yeah. So we, we do breakfast. Then we hit uh, 42 North, which is going to uh, – okay. it's down in East Aurora. Then we, uh, is that where Scott's new co-host from yes. Western New York Bruce? Okay, awesome. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sorry, I shouldn't have stepped on that. Yes, yeah. you mean uh, our uh, brother podcast over at Western New York Brews, WNYBrews.com. Uh, yeah, the head brewer is on that show with uh, producer Scott. Producer Scott. Uh, then we head to Hamburg. Mm-hmm. Yes. Then yes, we cut yes. over to Rusty Nickel. Okay, okay so in West Seneca. There, so that'll be good. Uh, then we yeah, um, we could do lunch there because they do have the menu yeah, at uh, yeah. Ebenezer. That's a good place to do lunch. Uh, then we start our way. Actually, you know, because Chris, oh no, never mind. We're gonna do pizza plan another uh, previous day. Mm-hmm. Um, then we head up into the city where we can do Big Ditch. We can do community. First, how about First Ward? Oh, First Ward. I forgot I about first, first Ward. ward. Uh, For their IPA. Yeah, the Pale Ale. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Pale Ale, not IPA. South, that's in South Buffalo. South Buffalo. And then we get hit up. Uh, then, then we can hit up uh, um, Rusty Nickel or one of the other. Or you would, we would do West Seneca first and the head okay. South Buffalo. South Buffalo. Then, then we'll go to. Um, What's the one in uh, Larkin Square? That. Though that's Flying Bison. Flying Bison, Flying yeah, Bison. I, I have to I have to try the Spot Coffee one. So Bison, that's secret. in Larkin Square, and that's on the way. Flying mm-hmm. Bison. Uh, then we can do Big Ditch, mm-hmm. Community Beer Works, um, Resurgence, and then uh, New York Beer Project, and we can have dinner there. Nice. Sounds good. Um, something interesting that I just learned because. Um, I was looking up stuff for the next episode of Parks and Rec because it's going to be all about the Epcot Flower and Garden Festival that's happening for March until May, which is basically like a smaller version of their food and wine fest where they have different kiosks set up where you can go try different food, beers, wines, and stuff. Um, there is a kiosk that's all ciders Ooh. and stuff made with ciders. Uh, that Mackenzie's hard cider is actually made in West Seneca, New York. Yeah. I, I did not know that. It's, it's like, a spinoff like of Mayor Brothers. Yeah. Oh, see, I I was unaware of that. So I was kind of shocked because they give, like, what they have on tap there, like, who makes it and where they're located. So when I saw West Seneca in New York, I was like, wow, that's, that's like five minutes away from, like, everywhere I've ever lived. <laughs> that was kind of cool. Not at, not anymore, Mr. Globe Trotter. Well, well East Coast Trotter. This, this is something I was talking to uh, John about where – I feel like the price I have to pay for having founders two minutes down the road is the fact that now I have no local breweries that like I go to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I like the beer gods were like, okay, well, you definitely abused your power <laughs> now, so we are going to take that away from you. You are now smoted. Because even like Lexi and I were talking about how we haven't been to a brewery since like we went to founders before we moved down here. Mm-hmm. And, like, we were just kind of, like, Googling, like, oh, you know, Orlando, like, Central Florida Brewing Companies. And, like, there's some around here, but they're it's not the same, like, atmosphere or experience. Mm-hmm. It's not, like... It's not the same quality. Yeah, it's not, like, a tap room. Like, it's not, like, a, like a brew pub. Yeah, like it's, and get that pulled pork sandwich. I know. And, like, one of my other friends from... Braised and 
dirty bastard. Uh, and then, like, uh, my friend was putting up pictures from, like, when she was at Founders the other day, and, like, her, her and her friends had sandwiches, and I was like, I would kill for one of those right now. I want a good chicken and waffle sandwich. That's I had a really chicken and waffle sandwich <laughs> from uh, Springfield at Universal Studios for dinner last night. There's a Hamburg um, burger joint? Oh, the, I don't Juicy know, burger? I don't know what it is, but I heard their chicken and waffle sandwich is great. They got a chicken and waffle sandwich. Oh man, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we so we can geek, guys. So we can geek. Hey, some stuff happened this past week. Um, mm-hmm. Not not anything like huge, major, and big. So sorry uh, to get your hopes up by saying some stuff happened. Well, a leak for I'm just gonna get this out of the way. Uh, Gil Gabot's uh, costume testing, like just. Weird, like, close-ups on the costume got leaked on uh, YouTube, and uh, Comic Book Resources has it online. And all I can say is, Gail Gadot is a very beautiful woman. Yeah. Gadot. Gail Gadot. Yeah. She's just, like, when they do the close-up of her t- of her wearing the tiara, you know, I'm like, she's just a beautiful woman. Her complexion is amazing. <laughs> 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 not a blemish. Not, not at all. And, you know, she's wearing the full Wonder Woman costume. I don't understand the Wonder. Why, why, some people, you know, hated that she was too petite. She does doesn't look. She looks strong. Yeah. She and she has that, you know, Amazonian beautiful princess like quality to her that I think is there. So I am not yeah, with I, the Wonder Woman hate. I have no issue with how she looks as Wonder Woman. I mean, I understand a lot of people wanting more like the built solid Diana like. The one that when you see like that robe come off, you're like, oh crap! Like I'm in for it. Um, like Jessica Biel in um, the Blade Three movie when she was super ripped in that. Yeah, like I I'm not gonna hate on what they're doing because I mean, as much as you want that kind of Diana, like that more mm-hmm. like Terry Dodson, like rounded, like fuller figure. Like at the same time, like there's been so many other comic book artists that have portrayed one woman like in the exact same way that we're getting delivered on screen mm-hmm. where. It's more like an athletic strength. Yeah, she looks strong. I don't think there's anything weak looking about her. You know, I don't. But maybe that's just me. Maybe maybe because anybody could beat me up. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, How tall is she? She's she's five ten. So not the tallest. Tall. She's, yeah. she's she's our height. I, I would say statuesque. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other news uh, in the casting world. We finally have seen who are. Iron Fist is going to be, and this is Game of Thrones actor Finn Jones. Wait, is that the character name, or is that the actor's name? That's the actor's name. Okay, because I'm like, did I switch up Iron Fist? Who's this Finn Jones now? Um, but That's a comic booky name, if I've ever heard a comic it, it book. It really is. Um, is Finn spelled with a Y? <laughs> no, it's an I. Oh, okay. Uh, no, but, uh, yeah, Finn Jones, like, I didn't recognize him at first until, like, I read in an article, like, oh, he was on Game of Thrones, and I was like, okay, and, like, I had to look it up, but, uh, yeah, he played Loras Tyrell. It, like, I actually like Loras Game so, of Thrones. Like, I haven't kept up on the show. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I consider myself a fan, but I haven't seen, like, the last two seasons of it. Um, I don't know, I, I would buy this guy as, like, the heir to a multi-million dollar company, and he becomes the master of Kung Fu. And at first when I'm looking at it and I was looking at him, I'm like, oh, I don't know. But then I'm, you know, then I think about what Marvel has done just in general with casting and casting these TV shows. 
I think they've done a great job. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody is super famous. I think the most famous would be um, Jessica Jones actress. Yeah, Kristen Ritter. And even then, like, she's not... Mm-hmm. Like a household name. You know her because she was in Breaking Bad, and then no, on that I know show her that she was Gilmore Girls. I, I know her from Don't Trust <laughs> to Be in Apartment Twenty Three. Exactly. Oh, like, like she's the character. She's that character actress you know because she played a pretty. Mm-hmm. I mean, a relevant character that made you go, "Oh, hey, you know, she's pretty mm-hmm. good." Or I like her on that. Or, huh. um, and she delivered. And the same thing with the guy who played uh, Matt Murdock. Daredevil, like, I know him from Stardust. Um, he was on the HBO um, Boardwalk Empire, and he had a pretty, he was a pretty prevalent character mm-hmm. on that. So it's these character actors who have done HBO a pretty, shows. A pretty significant <laughs> uh, a role that they can um, bring it. I mention Guillermo Girl, Girls each and every time because it is a well known fact that Brian uh, Cranston? No. Uh, the writer. Comic book writer Brian K. Vaughn? No, uh, the, the Brian, guy Brian McBrien. No, the the writer for Alias. Oh, Brian, Brian Michael Bendis. Bendis. Brian Michael Bendis. I couldn't get the second second first name. As soon as I, as soon as he said Michael, I'm like Bendis. As soon as Brian Michael Bendis, he loves Gilmore Girls. He, oh, it shows in his writing because it's also wordy. Yeah, <laughs> that's what's it's one of the Claremont's problems. <laughs> It, he was writing it back during the 70s. I don't know. Uh, but no, it's, that's why I bring it up every time, because I think that's where he really found. I think that I think that's what turned. Like, like that's. I, I think if somebody came up to him from the Marvel Studios and said, hey, we're thinking about Kristen Ritter, he's like, yes, she was on Girl More Girl. She was great. He's like, hold on, and then goes into a room and masturbates. <laughs> and, he, and he sends uh, accolations all over the wall. So many accolations. Um, the other bit of news that I have is that uh, DC has announced that the director's cut of Superman vs. Superman will be Superman vs. Superman? Batman vs. Superman. It's a a quiet, introspective tale. No, it's it's just scene... It takes place at the Fortress of Solitude. No, it's it's the junkyard scene from Superman 3, just done over and over again, just on loop. Hey, I'm uh, 12%, half a bottle of a 12% bomber... And all I had was poached eggs and asparagus for breakfast. Uh, I'm getting beard. Yeah, uh, there we go. Um, but they're going to be putting out a rated R version, which in some sense is like, what could be rated R? The action sequences? I mean, we saw a pretty brutal mm-hmm. Batman taking down criminals. Are we just going to see more of an intense version of that? Uh, I, I think so. I don't see this being the movie that's throwing out just... Like an R-rated, like for language. Like, I, I think it's going to be more just like the violence and like action scenes. Like I don't know what constitutes the difference in action or violence from a PG-13 to an R. It, but I'll tell you guys right now, it is uh, the same as playing the original Mortal Kombat on, on Sega Genesis and typing in A B A C A B B. It's blood oh, code. Oh, Yeah, yeah. It's blood code. It's they're going to add more CGI blood. It, it, it's it's blood and. In usually nudity, mm-hmm. um, ooh, and they could, add, Gal Gadot, Paul? They, <laughs> they could add CGI nudity because uh, they've done that before, where the the actress wasn't actually nude and they CGI'd her 
as Newt. Yeah. I, I don't see DC doing that, though. I want, they're trying to, like, lend a little bit more credibility. It, but here's the thing. If they, stuff. if they didn't say anything about Superman, Batman, but if they said director's cut of Suicide Squad would be rated R, I don't think it, everyone, anyone would have a problem. Everyone would be like, oh, man, I want to see that version. Right. But because it's Batman versus Superman, it just seems so odd. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's it's going to just be CGI, blood and gore, you know. It's going to be just lame. It's it's, well, it's an after-the-fact kind of it's, thing. It's if done. it's just stuff added or if it's scenes that have been cut that are added, usually those are because they're just the things that are on the cutting room floor and mm-hmm. they're putting it out in an unrated version, it's because it hasn't been rated by mm-hmm. uh, the NP blah, 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 yeah. blah. And, and that's why it's an unrated version. MPAA, Motion Picture Association Alliance or whatever. Something like that, yeah. Uh, but what I thought was funny is on the heels of the news of an rated R Batman versus Superman, uh, the um, the writer and director Peyton Road of Ant Man versus the Wasp, uh, Ant Man and the Wasp, Ant Man and the Wasp, uh, put on conjunction put out breaking news: Ant Man and the Wasp is getting a full NC seventeen confirmed. Which I thought was really funny because that's, I mean, that's really hardcore. You're gonna see Ant Man's dick in that. <laughs> yeah. It's it's uh, Paul Rudd dressed as Pickle Man from that one skit online skit that he did, oh, where know. he t- walks into like a cerebro looking room and he just starts loading up these things. And <laughs> I don't remember uh, that. Look it up yeah, online. I don't, I don't know. Either that, or they're just gonna have uh, Harvey Keitel show up naked, and you're gonna have to see his mm. wang. Because that's... I was on board for Paul Rudd's Rudd. (laughs) (laughs) But not. But not Harvey Cartel. So, episode title, Paul Rudd's Rudd. Chris, do you have anything for? Yes, I had uh, on the heels of last week's High C uh, Ecto Cooler news, Twinkies is getting on board with the Ghostbusters merchandising, announcing the Key Lime Slime Twinkie that will be coming out uh, to help support Ghostbusters now marketing two-fold juggernaut. I don't know. But yeah, you're going to be able to buy Ghostbusters Twinkies. It's basically a Twinkie with green stuff inside instead of your normal white cream. Mm. And as I said previous to show, uh, no reports yet on how big this Twinkie will be. It's too bad. I, um... If somebody bought them and gave me one, I'd try it, but I wouldn't go out and buy it. I would probably buy it just because I I haven't had a Twinkie and I don't know how long. I'd be willing to give this one a shot for, like, to talk about on the show. Um, and when they came out with all the DC, like, Hostess or Little Debbie cupcakes and stuff a couple years ago, like, I was all about trying those just because I thought it was something fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they weren't flavored anything different. This being Key Lime, or Scream Lime, I'm kind of interested in it. And it's still the yellow cake, right? Because when Twinkies first came back back out, they originally re-released the banana-flavored yellow cake, which I was not interested in. It was like, yeah, this could have stayed dead. I'm not a big fan of the... the, uh, 
the Hostess well, uh, Fruit I, I Pies, think... a smaller version of the Hostess Fruit Pies. I don't think they're as good. There's way I too like much. Fruit pies. Did you have the new I ones? Think, uh, the twi- no, I haven't. But the Twinkies one, I think, was to help support the uh, Minions movie. Oh, maybe that's why. Okay, maybe that's what I saw. Because the Minions are like Always one of the words that they can say is banana. Yeah. But, Chris, if you go to get the fruit pies now, they're like small little squares, maybe uh, three inches. Oh, they're not that full. They're not the full pie. So there's so much breading crust to the actual fruit filling, it's not even worth it anymore. And before, you didn't get much filling to the pie. Now it's even worse with the I used to love like the apple and like the cherry ones. But when I found the chocolate pudding ones, I lost my mind. (laughs) That was the perfect but, noise, Paul. <laughs> yeah, to, an- to answer your question, Paul, it's basically just like your typical Twiggy, but mm-hmm. like it's got the green filling inside. That'll be fun. That'll at least be fun and interesting because the Justice League ones they did, they didn't change any of the flavors. You know, it wasn't like Batman had a black cherry fr- fruit pie or something like that. It was all yeah. just, oh, it's like the, colored the different. Like the snowballs were like... Green Lantern glow balls, and they were green mm-hmm. instead of pink. Oh, Green Lantern's glow balls. <laughs> <laughs> they were good, though. Like, I don't know. I, I like coconut, so. Yeah, I like coconut. But then they had, like, too. the cupcakes, which were, like, they had, like, the flash symbol on top, but it was still just, like, the regular, like, hostess cupcake that they've always had. Mm-hmm. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested in this. I think it's, I got a uh, Ecto-1 Lego set that I still haven't put together. I think this will be a night. You're waiting for... You know, Chinese six, food? Six months from when the movie comes out for you to watch no, the no, movie I'm, on TV. <laughs> no, I'm going to watch the old movie. I think uh, Ghostbusters 1, order some Chinese food, pick up some of these Twinkies. And while, after we're done, in between eating the Chinese food and eating and busting into dessert, we'll, uh, we'll uh, eat the Twinkies. Yeah, that's right. I said busting into the dessert. Busting into the dessert. Because that's your Ghostbusters. physically ripping that box yeah. apart. I got a beer stash right now. Any other news, uh, guys? Uh, the only other thing I had was the uh, Marvel announcing Timely Comics. Oh, yeah. Um, which Marvel was originally known as Timely Publications, so this is them kind of paying homage to their history with uh, reprints. A lot of companies have done like their first issues of comic books at a cheaper price point, usually around a dollar. Um, but Marvel's going to be using Timely Comics to present the first three issues of the all-new, all-different series that they've been coming out with for $3. So, example, you can get Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur 1 through 3 for 3 bucks, or Invincible Iron Man for 3 bucks. Uh, I think this is really cool. And there's been a lot of those books that I've had, like, not a strong desire to check out, but at least, like, look at, you know? And Marvel's price points are a little bit higher than I'd like to pay to try everything. So, if I can get three issues for less than I would pay for the original number one like yeah that that's something i would do yeah it, it it's what was tsunami you talked about before the show it was it's kind of like the tsunami line again but you know i'm just so far removed from those books and you know civil war is going to be happening pretty soon so which one of these will really shake up and stand up after that i'm kind of like you know it's it's march you know starting on tuesday uh, so as you're listening to this, it's probably March, and we're two months away from the start of it, of the comic book shakeup, and starting in May, and where where the universes will fall. So it's like, uh, do I want to go back and reread 
number ones that I'm like 17 issues behind on. You know, even probably three dollars. Seventeen is probably like six. Yeah, you're not you're not that okay. far away from everything. Uh, you know, it's at least it's 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 you picking up that mm-hmm. one issue or you know that one price for those three issues, mm-hmm. and then paying because f- you like it, paying like full price for a trade, right? Because that trade is concluded, mm-hmm. and the new 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 yeah. uncanny Captain America is out with Steve Rogers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's now the Falcon. For now. Until he's Steve Rogers again. Which is coming up shortly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, and that's which what, is happening. Which, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I'm, I, we're in this weird, you know, March and April, like the worst, I think it's the worst time to be a comic book fan. You gotta, because you're just waiting for the shakeup to happen. And the series that you love, you now know is going to be ending. And it's kind of like, ah, oh, come on, can't, why can't they? But here's the thing is, and, is with DC, mm-hmm. I'm not loving anything but yeah. Batman. And the only thing changing is Scott Knight- Snyder going from Batman to Detective Comics. <laughs> right. That's the big shakeup that you're right, like, right. oh, man, now I have to buy that, which is fine because I was buying it already. Mm-hmm. But now they're going to be releasing series that you're like, I okay, Jeff Johns, I trust you. Let's see what yeah, we I, can do. I'm in a holding pattern until then. I'm not going to pick, even if there's an issue that's, of If that's true, I've been in a holding pattern since the summer with Convergence. Okay. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I dropped off of every single book, yeah. aside from Batman and Robin Eternal, mm-hmm. which you're buying and I haven't sat down to finish reading yet. <laughs> yeah, and that's, the th- that's what I'm saying, that holding pattern. You know, you've been in it since last holding pattern. <laughs> So, you know, and that's where I'm kind of at right now in comic books is, like, I'm in this kind of holding pattern. And, you know, there are going to be some series that, no matter what, they're going to be kind of evergreen and they'll just be what they were. And I'll read those. And I feel like I've been that way with Marvel and DC for the past maybe two years, like you were. Like, Convergence I was excited about because of the shakeup, and then nothing, everything kind of fell through. It wasn't. The books that I enjoyed in Convergence didn't carry through, you know, the... Blue Beetle, the uh, Speed Force, the uh, Justice Society. Yeah. It was all level others to things that I wish were around, and it was just like another dagger. Being like, (laughs) hey, remember when we were cool? That could be something that, you know, Marvel's, or not Marvel, I'm sorry, DC's learned from, though, because they do have Mm -hmm. their rebirth coming up, and people did respond to, like, those alternate, like, love letter takes. Mm -hmm. And Marvel learned that coming out of... uh, Battle World, where they actually have a force as a series, but who knows how long that'll last with their shakeup of Civil you know, War coming up. I, I'm enjoying it, so mm-hmm. that was almost my pick for the uh, list this week. For the list this week, yeah. I got one more, uh, well, two more bits of news, but we don't really need to get into them, so we can go right into the list. Okay, uh, Chris, what you. is that book that you are picking up that isn't a force? Uh. This is another book that's just kind of getting its start. Um, this is actually Spider-Man number two, written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Sarah Pacelli. Um, I, I'm really enjoying this book. It's a Spider-Man book that reads more like an event book than anything else. Hmm. I, I'm going to be submitting number one for our monthly look back, so this is something that you guys will maybe have the uh, chance to look at. Um, Miles Morales, though, great character. I really loved him coming out of um, the Spider-Verse crossover event. And I'm, I'm buying more Spider-Man books that aren't Spider-Man books. 
than I have ever bought Spider-Man book. <laughs> if, that, if that statement makes sense, because I mean, I'm I'm picking up this. I'm still enjoying Silk. Um, I'm reading Spider-Woman still, like, mm-hmm. but I'm not buying like a Peter Parker book. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's Miles Morales taking on Blackheart after he's taken out the Avengers. So it's it's that Spider-Man action that you want because yeah, he's going up against something that he has no chance against. And at the same time, he's running into problems at school and with girls. Um, it's it's reading like Ultimate Spider-Man, which hey, guess what? He was. Yeah, uh, uh, I'm digging it. And like one of the things that I always I appreciate about Spider-Man, and when like people say like who'd win in a fight, Batman or Spider-Man, I always I say Spider-Man. One, he's got the superpowers, but the other thing is, is no matter what, like Peter Parker always digs deep and finds that power within to defeat that guy. If it's, you know, outsmarting him, figuring right. out what's going on. But this is Miles Morales. No, I know, but oh. it's the same thing. It's the same kind of character digging deep, finding the strength within mm-hmm. to do that. And of course, hey, Blackheart just beat the Avengers. It's up to <laughs> Miles Morales. You're not going to end the book like up oh, epi- the Series is over. Blackheart won. Like, <laughs> you know, he's going to dig deep. He's going to find What does that be something? <laughs> um, but that's kind of that thing that I do love about Spider-Man, is it mm-hmm. always that the odds are always stacked against him, but he always kind of finds that. Where Spider-Man, or with Batman, like, he's always one step ahead of the odds. He's always so got a plan. Yeah. So he's about to lose, but then his plan finally kicks in. <laughs> I and backed more, you more, into like, the corner. <laughs> And Spider-Man, like, Serpentelli is completely knocking out of the park. Like, I kind of regret not reading Ultimate Spider-Man when they introduced Miles Morales because I heard really good things about it, but I was like, eh, I haven't read Ultimate Spider-Man in years. I don't need to. Like, it doesn't matter. It's an Ultimate book. Um, her artwork is fantastic, and I think we're going to be seeing her on a lot more stuff at Marvel. And I think she's going to be, like, the next Steve McNiven. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like, she's... She's stellar. Like I can't believe that they're keeping her on a book like, you know, the Miles Morales Spider-Man book when they they could put her on pretty much anything. It might be more her wanting to stay on that and not mm-hmm. wanting to just be cycled over to this book or that book. And you know, she might have she might like the script she's getting from Brian Michael Bendis, and you know, the script that you're handed as an artist, I have to imagine, is like a huge deal. Like. Yeah, how they're like laid out, or the relationship you have, if you're actually talking on the phone, or you're just getting emails at midnight. Yeah, if you're connecting with somebody in the writing, like why not just yeah. continue on that book? And if you're getting if you're getting work and you're getting paid, mm-hmm. you know Brian uh, Michael Bendis will put out those books. You get paid more. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're going to get that page count that you want. So. Uh, I am not looking to forward to a new number one. I'm not looking forward to a comic book. I'm looking forward to a trade. Oh, my goodness. Are we doing the same book? <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, this is from Chapter House Comics. Oh, nope. <laughs> uh, this is a book that I've been eyeing up for the last four months because it just seems so interesting, but I never found – I didn't find number one. And this is The Pitiful Human Lizard, Volume 1, Far From Legendary. Uh, this is writer, artist, and cover artist Jason Liu, uh, and this is Toronto's new superhero, and he's pitiful. 
Uh, he's an office clerk by day and a struggling superhero by the evenings and weekends. And on the afternoons, a Maple Leafs fan. Uh, and since <laughs> being, uh, that's what makes him pitiful. Costume repairs and his Brazilian jiu-jitsu training are really tight on his budget. Uh, he goes into a pharmaceutical company as a test patient, mm-hmm. where under the ordeal, he becomes a bit of a superhero with regenerative superpowers. And with his newfound superpowers, he's really ready to take on being the human lizard. Uh, I've been seeing some good stuff about this book. It seems fun. The covers are what caught me when I saw it. And I was like, man, I'd like to buy this, but uh, I'm not going to buy number three, and I don't want to go back and buy number one. But with this trade coming out, I'm like, all right, this is perfect. I can pick it up. I can feel happy about it. Regenerative powers, though. I'm trying to think of like areas where I'm like, oh, I really wish I could just cut off a part of my body and then grow it back and that or will save the if day. you're an incredibly horrible superhero and yeah. you get stomped on by a yeah. robot you're okay okay i can understand if in toronto he was going to visit see a game in boston and the boston dynamics <laughs> robots get out and then he has to beat up the boston dynamics robots like okay understand that. You being Paul, you're overthinking it, and you're <laughs> taking a shit on my love. <laughs> I just, sounds good. It sounds great. <laughs> well, you'll probably have to read it for a trade and policy soon. I probably will. And it probably will be well-liked. Unlike <laughs> your pick. <laughs> my pick is well-liked universally, just not on this show. Uh, th- everyone is wrong. <laughs> My pick for uh, the weekend or for the list is uh, Black Canary Volume One: Kicking and Screaming. This is a series that I kind of wanted to get into, just never purchased. So uh, now that the trade's coming out, much like you, uh, I'm jumping on here. This is Diana Lance, uh, crime fighter and also singer. So it's it's uh, Black Canary meets Dazzler. So. <laughs> Oh, in the punk scene. terrible. Oh, she's so horrible. <laughs> no, um, I've read the first two issues of this book now. Mm-hmm. Um, this collects one through different. seven. Wow. That's pretty good. Oh, yeah, it's very different. So I look forward for five more issues, Chris. Hey. If, when you borrow this. I, I, I'm enjoying it. It's so different from like what I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a palate cleanser when I'm reading my books. Uh, Black Canary is one of those characters that showed up in Batgirl, and when she was crashing on Batgirl's couch, and I'm like, okay, this take on Batgirl, or on uh, Black Canary, is not Black Canary. It's a completely different character. In fact, they shouldn't name her Diana Lance. They should just give her a whole different name and just have her Sarah, be a, Sarah Lance. Yeah. The, from Green Arrow. Uh, they should do that with this character, because, like I said... This is the one of those series I know with the shakeup at DC that's happening. This is a series that's going to go away. Unless they rename her somehow. Well, it's going to be um, uh, Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. So it's going to be her, Batgirl, and Huntress. Yeah. But it's not going to be this character of the punk rock singer. Right? Like, it's going to be more in the vein of the original. Oh, yeah. You're going to be getting back to kind of the basics, but. I think those notes are going to carry over 
Ah, notes. I see what you did there. Yeah. Yeah. Puns. Yeah, you punned it. You're a pundit. I'm a pundit. I was, I was actually <laughs> just about to make that joke as I leaned forward. Yep. We're all pundits on this. The bourbon barrel age beers, huh? Twelve, 11.9%. 11.9%. Uh, and we are getting into the pearl, the blue pearl. Uh, this is Woodford Reserve barrel aged. Uh, Woodford Reverl, uh, Reserve Reserve blah, blah 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 is a really good bourbon. I believe I bought you mm-hmm. a bottle and of it. It is Paul. a really nice bourbon. Uh, Thank you. You're welcome. And this is a better for your wedding. Are we having a limo or are we having a car? What what's what's happening? Where are we taking pictures? At the place. At the place. Okay. There might be some bottles of bourbon I'm bringing for John's <laughs> wedding for when we're doing pictures. Uh, I have a bottle of unopened Angel's Envy that will be... I... Damn it! <laughs> that was my exact bottle. Well, Chris, when you're up, we can drink a bottle well, of Angel's Envy. anything whenever or wherever we are. I can gladly open the bottle that I have and drink it at home and use your bottle, Paul. Uh, because my wedding ring is made from the barrel of Angel's Envy. It's like John read my mind. <laughs> or Paul read mine. Uh, <laughs> anyways, Woodwarbarbs is a very good bourbon. I can't speak anymore, and I cannot say the name of that bourbon. Uh, I'm going to sleep on your couch after this podcast, too. Um, this is a much better showing mm-hmm. than the whatever the other bourbon was we had. Yeah, the river It's something. still not great. It's very low key. Mm-hmm. The one I, the thing I get from this, it's drying the back of my mouth out. Hmm. Like having talked now from having that sip, I'm dry. Uh, like See, on this one, I'm getting a lot more floral nose. I get a lot better nose on this. Oh, this has a it has a nose. Yeah. And the other one, and also the other thing that I'm getting here on the palate is a lot more honey. That honey sweetness comes up, and it coats my tongue. I'm getting that that lingering stout on the back end. I'm not getting a drying out. I'm getting that lingering stout. You get a nice stout. You get like you just like you licked the inside of the barrel that yeah. this was aged in. I don't get that oakiness though. So. I get a little. I get a little oaky, but it's in that. Mm-hmm. Making me salivate, drying my mouth, yeah, the, kind those of those jowls. Um, but I don't know if we mentioned it. it this is um, the stout that they use for the eclipse is a stout aged with honey. It's stout mm-hmm. made with honey, right, right. which is very different. Which I guess would give the sweetness mm-hmm. that maybe counteracts the bourboniness. Yeah, I'm enjoying this a heck of a lot more. It's it's like five steps up from the last one. But we're fifty-fifty now with the, with the series. It, it's you said it had to knock it out of the park for you to even pick up another bottle. This makes me. I'm going to have to look at that list again to see if there's any other beers that I'm even remotely interested in. But that thirty-dollar price point at fifty-fifty is just such a barrier to entry that I, I don't think it's worth it. I would. I, I would feel more inclined to give you thirty dollars 
in having split these two than mm-hmm. buy another bottle. Okay. Um, but I would also then say, like, I'll go and buy another really expensive bottle of beer and split with you. You know what we should do instead? You know that $30 bottle of uh, the uh, Genes- uh, Guinness yeah. with the, the Craftmaster series? I think we should take our money, cut our losses, and run from the 50-50. I think so. And so. then pick up that. Yeah. And I'll, I, I'd I'll, split that with you. Or yeah. We'll split that. Well, well, because we talked about it before, we'll we'll pick up the spirit and also the beer. Yeah. So next time I'm at Premier, I'm going to pick up the beer and ask which spirit, and I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah, let me know, and I'll pick that up. You can just get one of the small ones if we can find one. If you can find it, yeah. It's always sad when you're so looking forward to something, Mm -hmm. and then you're just like, no, this this wasn't good. You think, like, I'm, I'm so drawn in the thought process of even going and picking up, like, another one of these pearls... Mm-hmm. And putting it in the cellar for a year. Yeah. Oh, that's what I'm kind of talking about. I'm like, but it's like to me, it, I don't think there's anything that would change with age, right? With this beer, I'd still rather spend thirty dollars on Bourbon County than these. And oh, I, we don't. I would too. I was. I would. I would spend my money to pick up two things of KBS. Oh like, yeah. And and mm-hmm. uh, any. Any other big version of a bourbon-aged beer, I would pick up. And this suckered us. Mm-hmm. This this got us because of the price, of the accolations. Yep. Uh, this is the thing that got me to say, like, oh, it's got And I sell it's... Woodford County, Woodford or Woodford Reserve. Reserve. I was like, well, I got to try that one. And then I'm like, okay, well, I'm spending 30 bucks. You know what? I'm going to go with just their... It just said Burr Barrel, yeah. and you looked it up, and it was some river, something river yeah. reserve, and it's like, and I'm like, okay, at least we can compare and contrast then, and no, it's, man, that's I, a video I, game. That is Tomb Raider, the rise of the Tomb Raider, just sunk down the it's, toilet. It's a, it's a lot. It, it really is, and it's, it's sad. I mean, they're, they're not, they're not bad. Mm-hmm. They're drinkable. They're smooth drinking for 11%. It's yeah. very smooth. And they hit you because they hit us, I mean, yeah. John and I both. But they're not flavorful. And for that price point, it should be almost too much. It should be yeah. so much flavor that you go, I need to put this. I need to put this away. Or I need to. This s- is the perfect drinking right now. Yeah. I can see where it was right now. You know, I'm getting a little bit of the honey, but that stout, that punch of stout, that darkness, that richness, that complexity of flavor isn't there. I'm getting with this with the this blue pearl. If you're gonna if you guys wanna try one and you wanna throw thirty bucks at this and you got thirty bucks to throw at it, go ahead, but go with the blue pearl. Actually if you could find the cognac, because that one's the one that sold out. That's so the that's, one that's the one that probably you wanna buy. But right now, for the ones we've tried, the blue <laughs> the pearl, two. the two, out of the, the twelve or how many are released, it does have that richness of the honey sweetness. It does have that the stout undertones, and then it hits you with you do get a little bit of the bourbon, but it doesn't have that bourbon punch that we're used to when we drink a bourbon aged beer. It's and that's what's we I think both John and I really feel that are lacking. But and see, there's like a a beer that. It's bourbon aged. I don't remember like who it's from that I keep seeing on the shelves at my beer store, 
and it's like 30 something too and i'm just like it's such a high price point that i i don't want to get burned on it Mm -hmm. and even if it's like something that like it's drinkable and it's good i feel like i could just go like four shelves down where they have something like the huge archer Mm-hmm. Or like the boot barrel from Anderson Valley, and buy like three of those instead. Yeah, and that's what we're running into. That's the exact conundrum we're running into right now with these bottles. It's it's the price point that's killing it. I don't think they're bad beers. I think they're they're if this was decent, if this was a thirteen dollar yeah big, we would big bomber like this we would be almost oh, praising it. The we, blue pearl that this uh, Woodrow. Not Woodrow. That's the Woodward. Woodward Reserve at fifteen dollars a bottle. We, we would be like, "Wow, this is really good. This is nice." This I is think good. we still we would, would say, it. "It's a little pick expensive. up, pick up an Anderson Valley instead." See, I I would say if you really like honey, try this out because it does have that out. You know, for four dollars more for the bottle, or five dollars more for the bottle, and you're getting something different than Anderson Valley, and you want to try but, something different. I, if you want to try something different, but I'd say that, I mean, Woodward, Woodward <laughs> Reserve versus Wild Turkey is a much better mm-hmm. bourbon, but that Anderson Valley is a much better drinking beer. At this point with these bottles, you know, at 30 bucks a bottle for a bourbon stout, you could pick up a good bourbon for $10, $15 more. $9 more, you could pick up Angel's Envy. $2 more, you could pick up um, Russell's Reserve 12-year-old. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. If, you, if you're if you looking for bourbon, at this price point, you're better off just buying some damn bourbon. You, you really are. You get a much better – you get a lot more drinks, mm-hmm. and you get better flavor. Yeah. yeah. Um, pretty sad. Uh, I'd throw that into the main topic, but we got a dramatic reading to do. Uh, now, a dramatic reading of American Vampire, Second Cycle. Yeah, it's you, Paul. <laughs> Number eight, page one, panel two. Damn it, sweet! If there's anything left of you in there, you... And that was a dramatic reading of American Vampire, Second Cycle. Number eight. Page one, panel two. I was really trying to get that gray mustache in that inflection. I don't know if did, it came Did through. you hold your finger up underneath your nose? Uh, no, no. I just really felt my mustache that I have. I think you popped one of my eardrums, too, by the way. Well, I really want the, that, that pop. The that pop. exclamation point. Uh, so, Paul, why don't you go into this book and tell us why we should like this? Um, this is X-Men. The Dark Phoenix Saga. Uh, this is the collection from Uncanny X-Men from 1963. I don't. Well, that's the start of the Uncanny X-Men run. This is from 1979 going into 1980. Uh, numbers 129 through 137, written by Chris Claremont, pencils by John Byrne, as we said at the top of the show. This is the collection that came out back in 2011-2012 uh, from Marvel Comics. And this is, uh, remember the 1990s cartoon series where we watched this episode? <laughs> this is that episode, this is where that episode, those uh, five, six episodes come from. Uh, this is the Phoenix, Jean Grey, uh, B. 
being imbued with the Phoenix Force and trying to control it, but being manipulated by the Hellfire Club's, um, what's his name? Jason Wingard, but it's really the mastermind, the master mutant of illusion, and uh, becoming the Dark Phoenix, and then her trials by the Shira, Shira, Shira? Shire. Shire Empire, and uh, the depth, the death of, spoiler alert, of Jean Grey. The thought process behind this book, the, the idea of the story mm-hmm. of the Hell's Fire Club mm-hmm. watching the X-Men, mm-hmm. building a way to defeat them, trying to beat them to bringing in mutants, and then being... The or unlocking the secrets of mutants, using them as guinea pigs. By hook or by crook, they're going to use these people to get more power. And then being the factor that unleashed this mm-hmm. dark phoenix and how they have to defeat mm-hmm. them is a great premise. It's a great idea. Okay. I, I feel the butt coming. <laughs> but <laughs> there it is. <laughs> this writing. 1979 going into 1980. It's god-awful. <laughs> it's, it's un readable it is asinine and redundant and okay the worst thing we've ever read on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) habibi habibi that you made us read paul was and (laughs) the reason it was hard to read is because of the subject matter right right it was uncomfortable because of the and it took time it took time to get into that book and even when you're into it you needed to take breaks because it was was, so heavy yeah but the art and the i mean the inlay lacing on that leather bound book everything Mm -hmm. about that book stood out in a way and Mm -hmm. even the choosing of how they colored the lines everything in that book the reason it was tough there was to an read. Art form there. The reason it was tough to read is because of the subject matter. <laughs> this has an interesting subject matter, but the writing buries it. Is the worst thing ever in the world. Mm-hmm. And we we can say like, oh well, you know, it was the 1970s. That's just how books were written. Chris Claremont still writes books the exact same way. Yeah, that's that's basically and true. Yes. <laughs> my my biggest like complaint about something like when we read. Uh, Mike Rell, the Longbows um, Longbow Hunt Hunters was like the time period it was written in was like so prevalent that it distracted me. Like it was nothing about like the actual content of the book, but like that was like such a better book than this. And and I I liked Longbow Hunter and the fact that okay this is set in this time period. Yeah. This is this they're, version of those characters. They're talking it's, about those smack dealers. Yeah, like that stuff. Okay, I can feel mm-hmm. the time period. This, aside from the disco scene yeah. with Dazzler, <laughs> which was still out of the time frame for that period. Nobody was doing disco in 1979 through 1980. And Dazzler still doesn't feel like a, well, I guess she is what, more uh, disco. Oh, well, but she's on roller skates. She's not on roller skates. Yeah, there's versions of her on roller oh, skates. Okay. But she's more Ziggy Stardust than anything else. Uh Longbow Hunter, for being a thing of its, of its time, still has some credence. Mm-hmm. You can say, okay, this is set in this time. This is a retired Oliver Queen 
who then gets mm-hmm. pulled back in because the love of his life who hadn't quite retired gets sucked into a thing mm-hmm. and then he's trying to stop this assassin like you can feel the time period to that book mm-hmm. and it works this book it hurt me it <sighs> cut me deep it, it uh, okay Go ahead. scott I summers like how do i speak he's thinking this mm-hmm. sitting next to charles xavier the telepath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do I let him know that I've grown as a leader and I know what the X-Men can do? This new team of X-Men. Professor X, I've grown as a leader <laughs> and I know what these X-Men can do. Like he would re- say, think something and then, and then say it again. Or it would say what they were doing on the page as you're watching them do it. Yeah, right, right. Like it's, there's, was he paid by the letter? <laughs> because well, it feels that way. Also, like, the artwork, like, yeah, it, when you're looking at this, it reads very much like 1960s, 1970s X-Men. But the artwork, like, it might have its, like, rough panels here and there, but the artwork still tells the story well enough that you Yeah, I think John Byrne does much. a great job. Aside, aside from some stupid things here or there mm-hmm. or how somebody looks... I thought the artwork is actually the best thing of this book. I think, yeah. yeah. John you Byrne could goes. read this book through the artwork with absolutely no dialogue and understand what's going on in this book. They do do a lot. They do do uh, a lot. There's this one uh, panel where I'm like, oh, John and Chris are going to hate this. Where it's, it's oh, Which one? Which one? It's the, the page where it's the X-Men that have been captured by the Hellfire Club. And they go through and they're like... These are the X-Men. This is how they normally look like. This is how Jean Grey sees them now. And this is how they actually look because they're captured by the Hell's Fire Club. Or this is how they look because they're captured by the Hell's Fire Club. This is how you normally see them in their costume. And this is them uh, as as Jean Grey sees them. And that's like, oh, this is a whole page dedicated to just this one idea. And it's... Every single issue, this is telling like an epic story. Mm-hmm. But and every, every single issue, the every, first two pages are recap. No, the the whole issue, when they put like, oh, it's the first time you've seen Nightcrawler in this issue, mm-hmm. they let you know who Nightcrawler is. Right. Like, oh, this is Kurt Wagner. He da, da, da. I'm like, I fucking know. <laughs> if you're reading this book, it everything about it is like okay it's a first issue you should have some idea of maybe who these characters are and this and maybe is why this marvel is, does maybe, that and maybe one this page. is a, a factor of me being a lifelong comic book reader who has an idea of exactly who these characters mm-hmm. are that it's different than somebody who this is some of the best writing that's happening in 1979 and people are just jumping on board mm-hmm. but there's stuff that's like it almost feels like the way, like, the editor comments are stuff like, remember from the beginning of this issue? This is it. <laughs> because it is. It's like, hey. Last issue. See, last ish. Yeah. Not issue. Ish. I-S-H. Ish. But remember when they did this? Seven pages ago? Like, it's, it's asinine. It's not quite that. It's it, last it, issue. It's, la- it's, it's last never, I- it's never. They never refer to the same issue, No, they, they don't. But it feel it feels like that because it's rem- it's like, remember when Storm created that cyclone? Last like, issue. One of them was like, see the last three issues of for what happened. Like, yeah, yeah. But we're reading it back to back versus it coming out monthly. 
Even the first ish, even the first couple pages are stuff that you're yeah. just like, oh come on, really? <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and it, like they they crash land at one point, and then it's like caption. Cyclops or Colossus and Nightcrawler, and they're crawling out of a bush. And then the thing is like, boy, we really got stuck in that bush. You know, it's like <laughs> the, aer- the airplane crashed, and now we're in a bush. And it's like, okay, did I need that caption to say who these characters are? It's We traded away this kind of thing where it's the first page of an actual comic book story to the first page over at Marvel where it's the recap page. But that black page. But it's recapping what's going on in the panel. Like, we find our heroes stuck in a cage. And then it's Wolverine going like, man, I'm really stuck in this cage. Yeah, this is, this is comic books at that time though. It's, I don't think they're, you're gonna find anything else during this time frame that isn't doing this for the first two pages. No, it's in the story. It's like, I'm going to make you heavier. Man, I'm really feeling heavy. What's going on? I feel like I'm going to fall through the floor. Ha ha ha. Soon you will feel for the fall through the floor. He fell through the floor. But you see what's going like you can see what's going on. It's it is the worst reading. Chris, I feel like you agree with everything John's saying right now. Yeah. Okay. The, yeah. The most that I've I've like texted with Chris in months, <laughs> because you know we have week to week. We we sit and talk. We have yeah. moments before, during, and after the podcast where we catch up with things. Uh, it's usually a text here or there. We texted the most throughout this week <laughs> about yeah. how awful this book was. <laughs> but this book has a lot to it. No, <laughs> it has a lot of words and meaningless things that do not belong in this book. Kitty Pride's attraction to Colossus starts, boom, right at issue one. But, right it's like, at the first but yeah, issue. it's like, ooh, that guy's a hunk. Yeah, <laughs> it starts right there. I have trouble understanding his accent, but boy, is he muscly. Yeah. Kitty Pride is introduced the fact, in the series. The, the fact Dazzler's that introduced Dazzler in the and her. series. The death of Jean Grey happens here. A lot of stuff. I was so happy. X-Men. I I was... I let you go. I, I let you no, go, no, John. I just want to me... say, I just want to say, okay. I I read maybe a quarter of this. Uh-huh. I felt it was so unreadable. I just started scrolling through it. Uh-huh. I scrolled all the way yeah. through the through, through it uh-huh. until she died. And then I was like, oh my God, she's dead. <laughs> I'm so happy. And then I was like, page, page, page. Now it's over. <laughs> I, I could not read more than 60 pages, and even that 60 ah. pages took me, like, multiple days to get through. It it was an endurance trial, just, like, wading through these panels. like, I, And now I'm going back, like, flipping through them again. I, get, I bought this book, like, over a month ago, though. So it's not like <laughs> I, like, saddled this. I didn't saddle this with you guys, like, three days ago or anything. I, I, I gave you guys time. I sat down, I sat down on Tuesday. We mm-hmm. were recording on Sunday. Right. I knew that this was going to be a we, thing. I had this book bought and, like, let you guys know what was happening three, four weeks ago. Yeah. I sat down on Tuesday. Knowing this would be hard. I sat down on... Uh, knowing this is hard, <laughs> yeah. I sat down on Tuesday. Right. On Tuesday. Okay. We're recording on Sunday. <laughs> right. I sat down on Tuesday. Uh-huh. I read... Forcing myself to read maybe I couldn't six, put it down. seven pages. I right. fucking fell asleep <laughs> at seven o'clock in the evening. <laughs> I, I reread I this book. Well, you reread it? Yes. Oh. I bought it. I couldn't put it down. <laughs> and then I'm going home. I'm going home. 
Well, that's like, going on. Like, the rest the second here. page, I was like, that's did Paul just read this because it has, like, Madrox and Havoc in it? <laughs> it has Madrox and Havoc in the first couple pages. That's what did it for you, right? <laughs> that's what I, did it? I, I, no, oh. no, but I skimmed through the second reading I just went through, and I'm like, oh, I, I want to, I like the, the introduction of Dazzler, the introduction of Kitty Pride. How were you expecting this to go? Do you think it was going to go really I, no, well? No, As soon as I started reading them, I'm like, this is this is of its time. Maybe John and Chris will be like, okay, it's of its time. It is what it is. What's going to be of their time but be done well, too? It's like this, It's just, it's hard to read it. Mm-hmm. I have... This is the beginning of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, yeah. And that was, uh, that was a difficult read, but there was enough to it... And I don't think the writing was as asinine as this book. There's a I lot have... of introduction when when in Crisis on Infinite Earths when uh, they all get teleported onto Monitor Station. They have a roll call of like eighty characters. Do they do it every single issue? Yes. I I, I don't, I don't I'd say being this this bad. It's the Flash, the fastest man alive. It is Superman, Earth's mightiest hero. Yeah, but that's – I mean, yeah. that isn't as bad as this book. That is not as ham-fisted as what this book is. Right. I have the first issues of Alan Scott as the Green Lantern. I have it collected in a nice edition of a hardback book. It is laughable how – like, it's like, in a way, it's funny. <laughs> I'm going to have this purple pants because I'll look queer and scare the criminals. Like – that is something they're like, oh, that's so silly. Like, mm-hmm. you know, 19, 1930, they're so silly. That 50 I, years later. Yeah. <laughs> I would, they haven't I, gotten away from it. I would read that book mm-hmm. again versus this. Like, the thing that got me through this book was actually just, like, taking screenshots of pages or panels and sending them to John and be like, this is ridiculous. That's, and I, t- is rid- I, I told him to do that because, like, that's, that's the only thing that's going to give you pleasure out of this book. You know what? Going back and watching the <laughs> X-Men cartoon from the 1990s of this series makes me feel like a little kindred because they captured it. I would not suggest anybody to go back and read this book other than us because we read the book so you don't have to. We buy the $30 beers so you don't have to. <laughs> uh, this is what we do here on the Begging Boardcast. This is acclaimed as one of the best Marvel stories of all time, right? Like, it, it, it's a, it, yes. widely known. And, and I, know, I know that this that's why you bought this. It's is because pot, it is, we were going to do the top ten yes. of, of Marvel stories. I understand that. And having, so we had to read. Having you having read this, I hated Mark Miller, uh, Mark Miller's Daredevil. I read that back in the day, like about six, seven Frank, years ago. Frank Miller's? Frank Miller. I was doing Mark Miller, and yeah, Frank Miller. Hated that as well. This at least wasn't that. This makes me miss those original, what X-Men oh, is used this to my be. Beer? Yeah. I'm trying to think of that. The one thing that I took away from this book is I missed what the X-Men used to be versus what the X-Men are. Like, looking at the list, you know, for a book for the list, I'm looking at the X-Men, and it's like, the time-displaced X-Men are up against Cyclops' evil villainous, and it's like, ah! I, I miss the 90s cartoon series it's a of team the X-Men. Co- it's a team coming together. Yeah. Yes, I can, I can see that. Co- or a team getting captured, and one mm-hmm. coming through to the rescue. And there's... They get Pride. captured twice. Mm-hmm. Yes, 
in a matter of issues. In a matter of nine issues, yes. No, in a matter of like two or three issues. Well, within the series of nine issues. But anyways, and it's Kitty Pride to the rescue, and then it's Wolverine to the rescue. Yes, there's three issues apart. Very good. I, I agree. But that's fun. I'd much rather... It's it's Wolverine fighting through a bunch of guys. <laughs> that issue should be titled, Wolverine Murders a Bunch of Dudes. And Scott says... And Scott Snyder... Or Scott Snyder. Scott, <laughs> Scott, Scott Summers, Summers is like, don't and, tell the professor. And Scott Snyder... Or Scott, 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 Scott Summers... <laughs> Scott Summers is murdered by no one. That's what that issue become. And Chris <laughs> pointed out to me the funniest fact about that issue is all of those henchmen that are murdered uh-huh. are referred by referred <laughs> first by, name. By first name. <laughs> Carlos, look out! Manuel, <laughs> it's like Carlos. Wa- watch out! And cl- Wolverine is holding the man up by the the stomach with his claws embedded in him, and yeah. it's like, hey, watch out! Too late. He's dead. And then you get the Turdy Harry moment, which I really loved. Come on, that moment of like, I know what you're thinking, buddy, bub. I own. I that. got a full clip of. I own that issue. I have that issue at home. I got a full clip of ammo, and this guy. Come on, there's there are some good moments in here. You can see why writers go back to this series of this run of books and tap for their storylines. Well, I, I think there's a difference, and this is kind of what I wanted to get to before, when yeah. you talk about the greatest stories versus, like, the greatest writing, because there's a lot to this book. They mm-hmm. tackle a lot. But it's it's just, it's it doesn't handle it well. We're going to take like, a pause. Like, no, no, no. Everything what? I don't like about comic books in one, like, trade paperback. Yeah. Okay, I need to pick except, except for the artwork. Oh. Like the artwork is it sells it. Like and like John said, like I'm just flipping through, like looking at the panels now and it works like so well, but as soon as you start reading it, it's just Yeah. It's difficult. It it drags you through. We're gonna take a pause. And granted, I, I completely agree. The writing does not hold up to modern day writing standards, it, and it it doesn't let the art speak for what's happening. I completely agree. It is a difficult read to me. This feels like, and I just said it to Chris when we took a pause, but it's like the art direction for what was supposed to happen in the panel was written. Mm-hmm. The artist did that, but then when they copied like the script over, they left that art direction in there. Because the artwork speaks for this felt itself. Mm-hmm. You can literally, and I did it, flip through <laughs> the pages and right. understand absolutely everything that's happening in this book. Uh, Nightcrawler, when he double, when he triple punches that guy and the art direction is there, like, I don't normally do this. And it is crazy, but I'm punching as hard as I can teleport, as <clears> fast <throat> as I can teleport. And, oh, it worked. And then Scott comes up, hey, good job punching as fast as you teleport <laughs> like i understand it is all there chris it is that is do you want to go over the nightcrawler thing you just read to me like no i really don't want to <laughs> dwell anymore on any of this and all the i think all the characterization instead of being in the voices of the characters of what they're saying is all in the thought balloons I didn't mind the thought balloons all that much because that's where I was getting characterization. I minded more so of what they were saying right after the thought balloons. Describe my face, yeah. Paul. <laughs> You're like, 
Paul, go eat a dick. It's questioning surprise and hatred all in the same thing. The thought balloons I thought were better than most of the word balloons. <clears throat> I'd well, much rather yeah, read this without the word balloons. That's Every, because everyone. in the thought process you have cripes, jeans clobber in me with a tonelic zap. And then his word balloon is Genie, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Well you just describe what she's doing, she's zapping you. <laughs> yeah. It's true. And the art shows you shows her zapping him, so it is it is of its time. It, it is a difficult read. It is the worst thing trade and policy that we've done for this show. It's still Can you look back at this though and be like, okay, this is where all the other stories for X-Men for the next 20 years come yes, from. Yes, I can. I I walked I went into this and reading it and saw where it's coming from. I went through the book. I'd stop. I'd read where I thought it might be important. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. Uh, but no, like because you, you read the story better twenty times over because of the rehashing of these important moments. I, I, I would agree. Yes, okay. this was someone who's grown up with X Men, mm-hmm. who knows the process, who knows everything about these characters. It was. In a way, dumbing down. Mm-hmm. In the writing is just it. It really is bad. The dialogue, everything that is happening. I'm just trying to get bad. you to get to the Chris's point, which is the story is the story. I said the it. writing is crap. I said I said the thought process behind what the okay. the Hellfire Club did and them unleashing great. Yeah, that that is an awesome idea to happen in in, in an x-men story it's great it really is the worst thing about it is the writing that happens to unfold all of that and john bernsard is great some process yeah Yeah. there's some panels that are really bad yeah but for the most part i was actually intrigued by the art and the art captures everything Mm -hmm. that is happening in that page yeah you get it what's going on and this is actually my uh favorite panel is the uh, X-Men meet Candy Southern. <laughs> she and I are what People Magazine call an item. I have to find my favorite panel. All right. This it's is the, the question. I read you, John. This is the question I've been wanting to ask you since I started reading this book, <clears throat> since I forced this upon me, guys. Though so I bought it sight unseen, and I said, guys, I think we need to do this because of the top ten list. Yeah. Before I started reading it, and then I purchased it, and I said, "Okay, guys, it's there. Let's to read this." And I, and as soon as I started reading it, I'm like, "I'm in a world of hurt for this episode." <laughs> I, and, but this is a question that I kept on thinking as soon as I was reading it, and I knew what I knew I would be hearing this like the whole episode. Uh, does this make you want an HD remake of these stories? Do you want like car- comic book creators now? To go back to these stories. No, we had the rewritten animated series. Well, put and I, I think you kind of said it before too. It, like this is one of those stories that a lot of other X Men writers and ours have kind of touched on. Like they, they touched on redone this. It's basically any <clears throat> Batman writer redoing the origin story in their issue because right. they want they want to like touch on it. They want that story to come through and what they're doing. Like everyone else has already kind of had their 
their hands on this. I don't think we need like like the remake of this. You want to? Want I was it? excited. Okay. I was excited to see Kitty Pride. Mm-hmm. Two panels later, I was unhappy that Dude, I got. To see but they Kitty went Pride. to the malt shop. Yeah, and she's like, <laughs> which is 1980, it. and I'm like, malt shop during <clears throat> 1980. That doesn't. They make went sense. to the malt shop, and she and and her and Storm like split a uh, like a, a milkshake yeah, together, yeah, yeah. and then like an issue later when she's saving her, she's like, this is my best friend Storm. Like yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, ridiculous. It was it was hokey. It was bad. Mm-hmm. Um. On Wednesday, I wanted to contact you and Chris and be like, "Let's do second volume of Lumberjanes. Let's do second. Let's do that next thing of um, of Hexed instead of this because I cannot read this." See, I I thought I gave you guys enough and time I, to tell me that let's not do this book. We're not going to read it until the week before we have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> And I started on Tuesday. I, know. Know, I started on Tuesday, knowing that I, it was going to take a while. Right. I, I gave it, myself time too, and I just I couldn't get through yeah, it. And that's when I messaged. Uh-huh. This is awful. You didn't wait. Did, did you I message just, me? Did I just Facebook? send it to Chris? I think you yeah, might have just sent it to me, it to Chris, because I saw that you're like, ugh, this is going to take a while. Not not the beer, but the book itself. It's like. I worked. In the, yeah, it, it was Chris's works. Dark, Dark Phoenix, Phoenix is, is grueling. grueling. I'm putting <laughs> my time in. It's going to take me days to read this. I was doing that so Chris <laughs> wouldn't try to read it right before we. <laughs> this is one of my favorite parts. But that was on page. Wednesday. Hold, hold on, I thought I, I found the page I've been looking for. Um, while. Colossus, Storm, and Wolverine are caged up without their clothes on. Kitty Pride sneaks in to rescue them. Um, and then Storm tears out the secret phone number that she has tied or like yeah. sewn into her clothes mm-hmm. so Kitty can go call for help. Yes. When we were captured, we were searched to the skin. They took my lockpicks, but aha, they missed this tag worked into the fabric of my costume. And I'm just like, Kitty, take this, find a telephone and call the number. I'm giving you to tell whoever answers for help. It, yes. I, I've now learned I need to sew secret phone numbers into my right. clothing. January 21st, picked up the collected Dark Phoenix saga. Never read it, though it's supposed to be, it's supposed as one of the best Marvel stories of all time. Trade-in policy? John, if that's what you want for yours, I don't think I've read it, read all of it. Uh, Thursday, Chris texts me. January twenty first. I gave you guys plenty of time, and you to start. We're not going We're not gonna read it before the week before it's due. I'm just saying it's not my fault. It's not my fault. Landar Carizian <laughs> promised me that he would fix the hyperdrive. Thursday, Chris. I'm like four panels into Dark Phoenix, and I hate life. Did Paul pick this because it starts off with multiple man and epic? <laughs> Turning down being part of the X-Men, by the way. Yeah. No, I picked it up because... They didn't even want to be in this book. I told you why I picked it up. Never read it, though it's supposed as one of the best Marvel stories of all time. And I understand that. Okay. When you started, you, you've had it since January. When you started reading it, you realized that we weren't going to like it. I'm like, 
Why did you continue to pick this as that? What, what, I was going to switch. I was going to switch. You can easily switch because it uh, wasn't set in stone until last Sunday. I didn't know you guys didn't start reading it. <laughs> you would have heard that we started re- we started reading it. Uh, maybe I should, should have switched it, but I thought it was we needed to read this. If I, our list next week when we start Marvel's top best stories of all time. Hey, we went back and we read what was supposed to be the best one. We tried. It didn't make our list. It didn't. You know why? Listen to this episode. No, exactly. And that's why... We needed some credence. We needed some barometer. And, and that's, We had that with DC. And that's why we said this. Mm-hmm. We said, yeah, let we'll read it. We'll mm-hmm. do it. We'll... Yeah. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. We did that with and, Mike Rell's Longbow why, Hunters. And that's why we're here. Yep. That, that is why... We're doing this episode, and you can't be mad at us. I'm not mad at you guys. Didn't finish reading it. But don't be mad at me. <laughs> He's, all I'm asking is, this take is, pity on me. This is the book that I talked to Chris like, we have to have veto power over Paul's trading policies, right? <laughs> but you, got, you guys got to start reading it a week before when it's too late to switch then. Do you have veto power? I, I would have changed it if I had more time to sit down and read something new. But by like Thursday, I was like, "This is, this is punishment." He's punishing I'm not us. Punishing He's you. punishing us for seven years of podcasting. I'm not. It's not punishment. It is what it is. There is some. There is a good story there. Look at this outfit. <laughs> He's a bumblebee wearing red. The short shorts. It's he's angel. What do you want? Primary colors. Let's go. You should have just left it at he's a bumblebee wearing short shorts. <laughs> he just choked on his beer. Uh, so we yeah we read Dark Phoenix, the Dark Phoenix saga. Uh, if I have to say. If X-Men 3 was more like this book, I probably would have liked the movie better. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm going to go, I think I liked the movie better. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, if you put this book in front of me and that DVD, <coughs> I would watch that DVD. I, it's a toss-up. <laughs> <laughs> you went back to reread it. I reread parts. Just so they were fresh in my mind. So that way we could... There's some, there's some important moments in here. First moments. Which are? Which are the introduction of Kitty Pride, the death of Jean Grey, the rise of the Dark Phoenix, the introduction, introduction of Dazzler, and the start of Xavier's a Jerk. No. Xavier comes back in some that introduction to Dazzler. I think like Dazzler might have had her own book beforehand, and then they introduced her this way because what? What? (laughs) What Everything that happened to that. What? (laughs) It is the worst. And then it's also like you can't come with us, Nightcrawler. You look like a demon. Go hide in the shadows. Nightcrawler hides very well in the shadows. Yes. He he basically disappears in the shadows along with his teleporting power, teleporting power. <clears throat> he is the nightcrawler. 
the X-Men cartoon in the 90s does yeah. a great way of covering this. Yeah, if you want the series, watch that X-Men cartoon. They <laughs> do a great on... job of capturing all the greatest moments of the previous <laughs> X-Men series in comic book to yeah. screen. Do not go back and read old X-Men comics. If you're somebody that grew up on this and that is the way things were written and you grew up on that way and you loved it, good for you. I'm, I appreciate that you appreciate this book. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the story that was I'm taking this as this. you appreciating me, John, so keep talking. But it is a mess. It's unreadable. Mm-hmm. It. Notice, listeners, as soon as I said I'm taking this as him appreciating me, he switches it over to the butt. It, <laughs> But it is. It put me to sleep within six pages. Mm-hmm. I wasn't tired when I <laughs> went to go do this. I had plans for the rest of the <laughs> evening. I was going to put in an hour and then go that. do stuff. Art. I don't think it is as bad as you guys think it is. My fiance came up at ten o'clock at night when I had the light on. Uh-huh. I was drooling on a pillow, and she's like, "I thought you were going to be downstairs." And I was like, "Dark Phoenix," like I just was like, "I can't do this." And she's like, "What can't you do?" And I was like, "Trade and policy." <laughs> I gave it a second try. Mm-hmm. And then I went ape shit on my fiance, <laughs> and was just like, "This is the worst thing ever." And then I did it again. She mentioned something, and I mm. ape shit. I was just like, <laughs> oh, "I fucking can't do this." Chris, are you the, are you ape shit, or are you just yeah, like I, like John? I fell asleep the one night when I was <laughs> and then like. The next day I tried, and I just, I, I couldn't get through it. Like, I can read a bad comic book, but. Mm-hmm. This didn't make just, you nostalgic at all for these X-Men characters? Like, this no, I, lineup of characters? Here's the thing. I love a lot of these X-Men, though. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Like, the book started off with Banshee, who, for some reason, I've always really liked. <laughs> but I love Nightcrawler. I love Colossus. I like Wolverine. Yeah. Kitty Pride gets introduced in this. Like this, this is a great X Men team. Like this is a team I want this, each and every X Men issue. This, I have heart and soul love for these characters. Every single character in this, Professor X, mm-hmm. everything. I love all of these characters. This made me never want to read X Men comic <laughs> again. <sighs> what can I do? What can I do? Don't. Don't pick books from. <laughs> you should have one of those little things where you, uh, like in high school, when you opened it up and you didn't spell the other things. Yeah. Have one of those and then be like, should we read this book? Yeah, check yes or no. And then have John and Chris check yes or no. No, wait, I'll give you that. And you'll be like, I've never read it. It's fine. January 21st. February, Paul, though. 26th. This book sucks. Like, Two days before we're supposed to be doing this for the show. We can still talk about books we hate, Paul. Yeah. Okay. I You're was, making me feel really bad that I even I was suggested looking, this book. I was actually looking forward. Over a month ago. I was looking forward to throwing shit on this book <laughs> okay. so hard. Throw shit at the book. Try not to throw shit at me for picking the book, which was and still is listed as one of the best Marvel stories of all time. 
But here's the but. <laughs> here's the but. This is like number three or four of trading policies that have been the <laughs> like the worst. <laughs> Habibi, longbow hunter, and this one. Uh, the Jeff Lemire. Uh, oh, Essex County. Essex County was tough. <sighs> that's, that's all right. I read more of it than Chris. Chris shut down like yeah. more than yeah. <laughs> more than halfway through it. Like that was a tough read too. Mm-hmm. And like, but the, that tied in in interesting su- ways. Subject matter, like those are things that we should Paul. talk about. And we give you shit, Paul. Mm-hmm. But the the every one of those that you did are mm-hmm. things that we should talk about. Okay. And I end up liking those a lot more. At least you li- liked Longbow Hunter. I did enjoy Longbow Hunter with me. I was able to to set aside the time mm-hmm. difference, but that's because that. I think you're a more Green Arrow fan. But you do like these X Men characters too, so I don't know. I thought I thought maybe I knew Chris would. You know, after reading this and then going back and then seeing your text messages back and forth on Facebook, I'm like, well, maybe John can parse out the. You know, this is the story that you know they were John, telling. But John, Chris is more with me on this than you are. You know, it's the difference between Chris and me. Chris likes to read lots uh-huh. of things. I don't. Is <laughs> it too many words? There's too many notes. Too many, There's only so many this, notes that a human ear can hear. Too many words per panel for John. But you like Bendis, the old Bendis stuff too, though. So I don't. It was good. <laughs> uh, anyways, hopefully well, you think this is good, and you agree with us that it Dark Phoenix Saga isn't. Let us know. Contact at bangboardcast.com. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, face, yeah, Facebook, Bangboard. Uh, we love your likes. Thank you for being a friend, as John has shown us on the uh, post that he put on the Facebook page. We do appreciate that. The Golden Girls uh, intro <laughs> with <laughs> Batman, <laughs> Superman, and Aquaman and Robin. I've seen it a bunch of places, but Very that's good. what I'll do when we finish. It's fun. Uh, yeah, and you know what? If you have an X-Men story that's your favorite, or if you can defend Paul with his pick of this... Put it over on Facebook. I'd love to hear why I'm wrong, mm-hmm. and I will go back into it thinking, okay, this is where I'm wrong. I'll do that. I'm I'm big enough of a man to admit when I'm wrong. But, <laughs> uh, uh, but thank you for listening, and tell me when I'm wrong, please. <laughs>